What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Splitting Hairs podcast presented by Jackrabbit Illustrated. I'm Kyle Sheehan, one half of the initial A-Team podcast, if, if that's what we're rolling with as far as the name goes. And today I got my buddy Ben filling in for Matt. Matt was a little bit under the weather today. Ben, how you doing, man? Oh, good. What's up, everybody? Got the, got the call up from the big dogs, moving on up from the B-Team to the A-Team. That's right. Feel... A little nervous. I'm excited though. Hopefully, I perform well. We'll get the jitters out. We'll uh, we'll call a Q, <laughs> we'll call a QB sneak here and get get you get you feeling it. But there you uh, go. I like it. But yeah, we're trying to cover all the letters here. We're gonna. It's like a Christmas tree in a scantron. B C A D A B C D. You know, <laughs> going through it all. I, like I, it. I always hated when they threw an E in there. I don't know about you, Ben, but I'm no, gonna... no, that's too many. Too many choices. <laughs> Too many choices. You can't use process of elimination for the right. uh, the last minute cramming, but we know the Jackrabbits would never do that. Exactly. What do, you, what do you think of the game? How do you feel about us coming into the NDSU game here? Uh, coming into the NDSU game, I, I like it, uh, but I like it probably not for the standard reasons. Um, at face value, you know, we did thump Indiana State pretty good, but there was plenty to clean up coming out of that game, I think. and a lot of a lot of like kind of just common miscues that we've seen kind of rear their head throughout the the course of the year some some uh, spotty o line play some turnovers that didn't need to happen uh just some different miscues here and there but we were able to kind of assert our will defensively again by turning the ball over and just being a bunch of ball hawks out there but uh what what was your take on the Saturday's game um, I mean, it was pretty shaky to start, you know, especially, you know, we we started hot, we came down, got the first touchdown, and then we got a fumble recovery, but then Chase misses the field goal, and that kind of led led to them getting back into the game a little bit, um, especially after Gibbs had his interception, which you hate to see, but the nice thing is he bounced back again and just looked like a poised quarterback out there didn't look like a freshman at all which is what you love to see Uh, but at the same time you got to get that cleaned up I mean you you make mistakes like that early against NDSU and they just start rolling up on you and they don't they don't let you get back in the game like Indiana State did Um, so I mean that's that's something that we got to definitely clean up but um, I do like how you know after after that whole fiasco happened um, they definitely controlled the ball I think at halftime we were like the time possession was like 20 minutes to 10 minutes or something like that, um, which by the end of the game flipped back around. Our defense was out there too much in the second half. But um, overall, it it was a good game. I feel like we should have won by more. Um, defense had some lapses in the second half. But, yeah, overall, I, I, feel, I feel pretty confident about how the team's looking anyway. Yeah, it definitely looked like the offense found its stride and was able to – to string together a couple of nice drives. I think Cade was my top performer overall because I think that he's been the most consistent asset we've had ac- across, I would say probably all phases personally um, because he's shown up in other phases like special teams. I think that, you know, if you need a catch, you're going to go to him. I, and, but Gibbs has not stared him down to his credit. He's just been the guy that emerged because quite frankly, I don't think Indiana State had the talent to play with him man on man to man. You were seeing him, you know, gash him on the deep over crossing routes. You were seeing him, you know, bust through the line, uh, getting off the line of scrimmage easy uh, when they tried to throw different looks at him as far as press or playing off or, or whatever they threw at him. So that was really nice to see. Um, as far as some of the other guys, I did did like seeing Adam Anderson emerge with a little bit more rhythm, getting involved in the game. Yankee did some nice things. I think that he also has some room for improvement, especially given some drops uh, that he had, uh, specifically one uh, when we could have really asserted our will going up 14, nothing uh, on a quick, quick, like uh, I think it was a, yeah, it was a slant uh, near the goal line, hit him right in the chest, bad spot to hit you sometimes. But, Mm. you know, I think that overall, again, if we can, if, if special teams, which we can get into that, I want to get your thoughts on it, but special teams and defense has to transfer or to, has to travel 
uh, for you to get a win. And fortunately for us, defense definitely transferred. Yeah. Uh, like you said, it, it was nice to see him spread the ball around a little bit uh, to Adam Anderson getting five catches. And then uh, that one drive uh, where we got the ball at like mid, well, it was the last, I think it was the last drive of the half maybe where Jackson Yankee got those two catches in a row. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he just looked like a man amongst boys out there or the way he was just, it gives us throwing the ball up and Yankee was just going to get it, which I love to see. I mean, as young as he is, he's going to develop into a really special player, I think. And so, I mean, like you said, he had some a drop or two, but I think overall, it's he's going to be big for us going forward. And like you said, Cade, he's just unreal. I mean, he's so fun to watch. Uh, I'm I'm glad we get to watch him for another year. Um, beyond Cade, I'd say you know Pierre Strong. You know, you mentioned Cade being like our most consistent player. Pierre Strong had the down game last game, but he came back with 17 carries and 147 yards in this last game. I mean, averaging eight and a half, it, you can't get much better than that. And it's just, he's so tough to stop. He's got so many weapons he can use. He can slash you, he can run over you, and then he can run away from you too. So, yeah, he's he's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, you combine those two with Gibbs uh, being as poised as he is. And, you know, I think, I think we're going to be pretty tough to beat on the offensive side. And like you said, the defense just – keep showing up man they they're tough um like you said it's you got especially on away games you got to have that defense to show up and you know guys like don gardner is playing really well i mean he showed out i think it was last week with that pick six and then uh comes back this game and gets seven tackles um you know you got your guys like Roseboom and Backus getting their tackles too but it's nice to see other guys step up too did Gardner get a pick? I thought it was Griffin. Uh, last game. Oh, yeah. Griffin got a pick. Is, correct. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Griffin got a pick this game, yep. In which but, makes it, I think that's seven straight games with a pick for us uh, going all the way back to the Minnesota game. So That's crazy. I mean, between the interceptions and the sacks, I mean, I'm just trying to total up the sacks here. It's just eight. Eight sacks. That's crazy. Yeah, Tolu had and two, and and I think I, if I read it right, nine different jacks were credited with at least a half sack, including Gar- Gardner, who you mentioned. Though Gardner definitely, you know, he's shown up multiple times uh, in games with that those cat sacks. So that's that's nice that he's able to stick his head in there. As far as the DBs, just kind of a little uh, constructive criticism, point of emphasis. Our safeties do they do get caught at times peaking, um, which is kind of a trademark of very physical run fit type safeties that we've got, which I, I think that you would call now. I wouldn't necessarily call Josh or the Barracuda a big hitter, but he's, mm-hmm. he's a playmaker. He's an athletic player. Um, so I'd like to see him work on trusting his technique a bit more and, you know, adhering to responsibility and getting depth, getting depth, getting depth. Cause there's a couple of times he's just taking kind of some shoddy angles. Um, there's definitely going to be a lot more team speed, but I don't want to overlook the fact that that was different looking Indiana state program uh, is in terms of the athletes back. I mean, just going back from when I played against them, they, I mean, they were very big up front. I mean, they had some big dudes and they had, you know, some physical players. They, they are a different brand of Sycamore than I am used to seeing, uh, especially so like the past couple of years. And really they've been decimated with the injury bug, man. Like, yeah, I mean, you throw, you throw a boil back on that team and that's a solid team right there that I think would have gave us a pretty good fight and would be in the top half of the MVFC for sure. I mean, they might be in the top half anyway without him because uh, the way the MVFC is rolling up. But yeah, I mean, they're, I think they're a program that's on the up, you know, it's not like, we have Western Illinois or somebody like that who's clearly just on the struggle bus. You know, they're they got some playmakers over there. But you know, you highlighted the the amount of amount of sacks we had, and I just going through and looking, you know, between Xavier Ward, Ryan Earth, Thomas Stacker, Caleb Sanders, Tolu Ogunrud, Ogunrindi. I mean, he all those guys have at least half a sack, and just being able to roll that many yeah. guys through on the D line is so big. Yeah. It's something I feel like our depth is the best it's ever been. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, never, and, and never it's had it. no, and it's it's a you know, 
kudos to the coaches with the recruiting and everything. And I mean, it all goes to, you know, facilities and we're going to get into a little bit of the, you know, the, the D one talk later, but, um, you know, it's just, that's how you build a sustaining program and build a program like NDSU. You know, that's, that's the way they do it. They're able to roll guys through. They have an injury, the next guy up, if a guy gets tired, the next guy goes in and there's not much of a drop off. Yeah. You know, that's an excellent point because I think what I'm, was used to seeing out of the Jacks. I don't know if it was approach, philosophy, trust. It could have been a number of different things that contributed to it, but a lot of times it was maybe one and a half deep, like one and a half deep, not necessarily even a true two deep. You had guys mm-hmm. who would, you know, fit in and fit in or fill in, you know, sporadically and as needed, kind of if you need to spell a guy or he needed a blow, but to see the amount of depth we're able to rely on, not just not just suit up, is phenomenal. And like you said, NDSU's uh, been able to really assert their will in, late in games because guys are fresher when you're just rolling guys in in waves. And you know, I the the one spot that I think that can get really suspect is the offensive line when you're mm-hmm. doing that, but it seemed to thus far pan out pretty well. And it panned out well, in my opinion, seeing some interchange uh, with the guard position um, this past game. Cause there were some things I, I think that we can clean up interiorly. And then we caught a couple breaks, man. Like there were, there was that uh, procedural penalty with the snap, which the, you know, Matt Clark, first of all, he's done an excellent but- job this year, right? He's done an excellent job, but sometimes he gets the yips. It seems like, and, uh, yeah. So hopefully he can shore that up against this D line, man. Because they're. I'm. I'm still not sure what happened on that play. Me neither. I didn't even. They never, <laughs> they never really showed a good replay of it. But I was like, oh, I'm glad they called that penalty. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. And the production value of, of of the games on ESPN Plus has been awesome. But again, like I think Matt and I touch on it. Midco like crushes it, man. Like they have such good production value, and you know even the ESPN announcers for for the Valley game of the week, which it was this past week, they were calling Levi Brown Spalding. They were mispronouncing. I heard that it's, too. it's like, it's like, come on, bro. You had one job. You had one I job. I know, man. <laughs> I know, man. It can't be that hard. We, I think we should give it a shot. There's, I, I feel like I could do better than them. Hey coach. <laughs> exactly. Coach Stig used to say every day is an interview. And I think that's what we're doing here, man. Exactly. I'm about to sign up for Dan Patrick's Full Sail University, man. That's right. Go get it, man. Get right into the sportscaster world. You gonna? Can you tolerate Polly though? Oh, Paul Pabst. Yeah, Polly. Oh yeah, I like, I like <laughs> Paul Pabst. He's good I li- shit. Yeah, I like all of them. It's a it's classy, and they always rep the Jacks in some some form or fashion. You know, oh they man, got, that- they got FCS blood in on the squad so for sure that paul pass is definitely an fcs guy i mean he was before they announced game day coming he was retweeting you know everybody's tweets about it game day coming here and he was all over it and yeah even after they announced that he was all pumped about it too so that's it's kind of cool to see i wasn't able to listen today but I'm, I'm sure he mentioned it oh yeah and he definitely uh yeah I, I liked his tweet retweeted it i think yeah he he definitely is very pro uh, game day because I guess game day there's something like game day coming to uh, coming to Brookings. You know what this? You know is? I I heard something about it and I okay. just yeah I got to do a little more research but I guess it's a big deal. Apparently. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm told. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I'm just going up there for the food. Right. Yeah, <laughs> should be a good crowd. You know, yeah. I guess we'll maybe walk by the game day thing and see if it's anything big. Yeah, they're supposed to play football. I hear something like that. Yeah. No, so yeah, that's the big deal, man. The, the the big announcement. You know, we were we were texting back and forth with our group. You know, after Wisconsin lost and then Michigan lost, and game days options started dwindling down. You know, they were getting down. Or we were looking at the schedule and we we're like, well, they could go to Auburn LSU, but they were just there last week. Did they go back? It was it was like I was trying not to get too excited about it because I was like, man, I'm gonna just gonna be disappointed, like. But at the the longer it went Sunday morning when they didn't announce it, it was exactly. like, this might happen. Yeah, it was so random, too, because I was watching uh, ESPN College Football Final on Sunday, I believe, or one of, those, one of those publications where they're trying to recap Saturday. And 
I saw that uh, I think it was Wisconsin, Ohio State, or yeah, Wisconsin, Ohio State came up and it was a noon game. And I'm like, I don't think game day's going there. That's official because, you know, Ohio State's doing really well. And then they're not going to probably revisit LSU, right? So, and then that leaves, and then Michigan lost. So I'm like, wow, the stars aligned. I know. Yeah, I mean, I, they probably would have pushed back the Ohio State Wisconsin kickoff if Wisconsin would have won. But I yeah, guess for those of you, yeah. for the for those of you that don't know, uh, the reason why we have game, I mean, we have game day for a reason because we deserve it. But let's be honest, Wisconsin being a thirty and a half point favorite and losing to Illinois is why game day is here. Yes, because sir. they they would have been going to Ohio State Wisconsin. Oh, so, absolutely. I mean, that's. I guess that's the way it's got to happen. That's the way it's got to happen. I, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it either way. Yeah, I mean, no apologies. We're we're, not, <laughs> we're we're taking it. We're not looking back. And I got to shout out a former Jackrabbit for helping uh, helping make the stars align. Willie Jones, who's on the strength staff for the Fighting Lovies, that was uh, that was incredible. And fun fact for people who don't know, Coach Stig actually uh, worked with Lovey Smith when Lovey was at Wisconsin. Uh, hopefully those facts check out, but I'm pretty positive that's that's the case. So when Lovey was at Wisconsin, Stig was there as I believe an assistant, uh, a grad assistant of some sort. So um, yeah, just aligning all all the way down for the Jacks. Yeah, I did not know that. That's a fun fact right there. So what? Uh, I mean, okay. So we got game day. What's your take on? I guess let's just let's just take a second to sit back and talk about how big of a deal this is. Yeah. Because I feel like, I feel like some people don't realize it. They're like, Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's just, it's such a big deal. The magnitude is just impossible to gauge right now, but the long-term effects from it and, and the short-term effects, you know, from like an economic standpoint in Brookings. uh, I mean, there's just so many facets to it that, it is such a big deal, and I hope that people take advantage of it and come enjoy it. Yeah, bro, you hit the nail on the head. And this is just – it's a thing where, like, I was going back and forth with my brother because my little bro, he came out to watch a spring football game one time when we had a blizzard, and he went to game day against Georgia-Notre Dame. He's a big Georgia Georgia fan, and he saw that this year. And I'm like, you got to come for this, man, like – I haven't even seen the stadium since 2013 when they were still kind of moving along and evolving into what is now, you know, just an unbelievable stadium atmosphere and experience with the S Jack and the Dana J and to have ESPN roll out the red carpet and bring their, their flagship iconoclast program college game day to Brookings where, I mean, the town is, I mean, the university is like, 13,000, right? Enrollees, yeah. yep. give or take, plus or minus, add in the town itself. You're probably looking at 20, 22 to 25,000, maybe. Just imagine, this will this will be the single largest event maybe that happens in South Dakota. I mean, stats are made up, but in the yeah. state, like a one-day one event in the state, man? I mean, this yeah, I mean, people Sturgis, but... Yeah, people talk about how big of a deal Hobo Day is, but man, I'd be surprised if this isn't a bigger deal. Well, and you got the furry cows, like Brennan says. Uh, a little nod to Brennan. They travel, you know, they travel yeah. and they're going to be wearing their green. But, you know, I was thinking about it. Blue and yellow makes green. So I think we're winning the color battle no matter what. There you go. We should yeah. mention right now everybody wear blue. Absolutely. Hashtag wear blue, hashtag glow blue, whatever you want to, whatever you want to do, just. Wear blue to tell your friends, your family, everybody, get blue to the game. Don't wear yellow yes. because if you didn't know we're That's playing the bison, yeah. their color is green and yellow. We don't want to mix in with them. They can wear yellow if they want Yeah, and look like SDSU fans. We're going to be in blue, and we're going to represent. It's going to be a sea of blue out there. What uh, what threads do you think we're going with? The blue and whites? Like just stick with a good thing because that's what we rock you know, in 17? I don't know. You know, I with the – you know, with with the sea of blue and the blue out deal, you know, it's tempting to go all blue. All blue, right? I mean, that'd be sweet if like the whole stadium was blue and they came out in their blue unis. But yeah, I don't know. Oh, how do you? You know, I, I'd assume if they would leave it up to the players, they'd pick the black ones. 
Yeah, that would be Maybe. nasty, right? I mean, yeah, that'd be fun. So black uh, ones for it, a funeral or there you go. You know? I like it. <laughs> I like it. So yeah, I don't I'm not sure which way they'll go there, but but yeah, I mean back to the the lasting impact. I mean, just from like a you know, I was thinking about it from a recruiting standpoint, you know, we'll, we'll always be able to say that game day was here. You know, if it never comes back, we'll say, hey, man, we're a big enough deal that game day came here. You know, because I I assume that a lot of recruiting battle that we have is that, man, it's just a small podunk town in South Dakota. But when you get something like this to come to your podunk town, I mean, that changes things. And so I think that the, the recruiting aspect of it can't be understated enough. Bingo. The dynamic is changing overstated enough sorry about that can't be overstated (laughs) you're good i listen to these uh back and it's just ridiculous how often (laughs) i misspeak but you know again shout out to tyler merriam for just making it look easy but you hit the nail on the head man this is going to exponentially impact recruiting because not only is espn going to be there you got argus leader and it's going to draw all the publications from local uh, you know, grassroots organizations to staple outlets in Minneapolis and in all the Midwestern surrounding regions. And then the financial impact, man, it's going to bring like the tourist attraction type feel on top of a huge event, which is going to be, you know, unbelievable for all the the entrepreneurs in the area and even your, you know, your, your friend, big franchise model type spots like B-dubs and, you know, you name it, it's going to just have that ripple effect financially, experientially, like people are going to be able to look at their kids and be like, remember when game, like you said, when game day came to Brookings, like think of that, think of that from just a, a bonding standpoint, like families and, you know, I'm super excited. Uh, being removed from being a player now to, to seeing where the university has gone is, is amazing. Yeah. I mean, and you know, you kind of touched on the, the attendance aspect of it, which I think is another huge boost. I think we're going to get people coming that don't normally come to games. You know, there might be people from Sioux Falls and they might come up and see the atmosphere and be like, man, I want to be a part of this. Like, this is fun. And, you know, I think that, there's definitely potential to grow the fan base just from Saturday, just from game day showing up and people coming up that, you know, are pretty casual fans. Um, so, I mean, in that aspect, anybody that's a, a diehard fan, go out there, show, you know, be a good host, show everybody a good time, and hopefully we can get some people coming back because this definitely got potential to uh, have a lasting impact on the attendance, I think. Yeah, in I would, I, I would hope, you know, all the people in Brookings, the good people of Brookings are going to put their best foot forward. Like, you know, you touched on and treat people to respect. I know the rivalry is really starting to get thick, you know, because my, my uh, teams that I was fortunate enough to be a part of won three straight against them from 07 to 09. And really it, there were some great battles and, but you were starting to see the tide kind of shift. Obviously, they went on some runs. They've uh, they've gotten the hardware. So really, that's the ultimate uh, aim for everybody at the beginning and the end of the year. But I think that I would hope the fans respect one another and we can keep uh, keep people out of, you know, Brookings uh, Correctional Facility and yeah. uh, stuff like that. And so keep it classy, uh, San Diego. <laughs> for sure. No, I mean, yeah, you got to – treat the bison fans with respect i mean i I just i respect them in general just the the way they've sustained their success and then their fans the way they are so rabid and just follow their team to the ends of the earth you know and you know they they show up and they do it big they they bring their rvs and everything and yeah so let's uh treat them with respect and show them a good time and you know they're coming here they're spending their money so i don't know we'll just We'll take their money and be happy about it. Take their money, hopefully take that dub too, and then, you know, throw up the peace sign. But exactly. You know, exactly. I, think- I mean, I, I say all this, but I'm not – I'm still going to throw horns down in there one, once oh, yeah. or twice. So Absolutely. I mean, it'll be a friendly, you know, 
friendly uh, words are going to be exchanged as long as they stay. Oh, yeah. that, you know, it'll be all right. But I think you made an excellent point, and I think we could be witnessing the evolution of a fan base, to be honest, because again, this experience is so different. Um, you know, it, it's just a completely different, different feel because of the magnitude of it. And uh, oh, for there's sure. A re- I mean. There's a reason I mean, they only went to 73 places, okay? Like, they go to a lot of repeat places. This is the 70 uh, – it's either the 73rd or the 74th, depending on where the pl- where the placekeeper is on that. Mm-hmm. So that's the magnitude you're dealing with here, guys. Like, 35 years in production, this is insane. It is. I mean, it, you know, from a, from a casual fan base standpoint, I think you're going to see it grow – from a current student stand, standpoint, I think they're going to realize how big of a deal that Jack Rabbit football is. I think some students go through SDSU and they just, they're like, hey, I'm a Nebraska fan. I'm a, you know, gopher fan. Jack Rabbit football doesn't matter. But now you get somebody like game day showing up and it's like, yeah, maybe it is a big deal. And so I think that you'll see long-term effects from that. And then, you know, the youth too. I mean, they they see it too. I mean, they're going to hear the buzz from their parents talking about it. They're going to see the, you know the news talking about it and everything. I mean, they're on Twitter too. They see it. So yeah, I mean, it's it's just huge. I mean, it, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it all week, and I'm not gonna get sick about sick of talking about how big of a deal this is. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's just surreal to me too because uh, as a kid growing up in Georgia. I got to hear David Pollock speak at different churches that my high school team would go to. I wore uh, number 43 when I played in Fairmont, but when I transferred to South Dakota state from Purdue, 47 was available. And that's usually, you know, punter or a fullback type number. And I rolled with it. I was like 47. I'm going to rock it for Pollock. And Pollock is a part of the set with Desmond Howard and Kirk Herb street and Lee Corso for all those casual fans who might not know that. Um, but it's a really, so it's really cool personally to, to be able to experience that as well. Yeah. You're going to try and talk to him a little bit, give him a little, oh, little yeah, shout man. out or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because so Grayson is a, uh, is a prominent high school program in Georgia and we used to beat up on Shiloh. That was his, his program. But I used to go watch David Green, who's a classic uh, quarterback for, the the bulldogs when i was a little kid at south gwinnett and uh david pollock when he played at shiloh so for for anybody (laughs) any jack fans that might have any comprehension of what that is uh (laughs) yeah but it was just it's it's just cool on a personal note for me and i'm sure there's different you know the football world is very small so i'm sure somehow some way there's other fans other blue and yellow jackrabbit fans that may have some tie-ins somewhere down the line oh for sure so who do you think uh, before they – I think they're going to announce it coming up pretty soon here. So before they announce it, what is your pick on who the guest picker is going to be, the celebrity picker? You know, I was looking at teams in the NFL that have buys. Mm-hmm. You know, the most logical would have been the Eagles because you got the Wentz-Goddard connection. Yeah. Friendly, friendly trash talk, no love. I hope, I hope they still do like a video. I, I mean, I feel like – that's something they might do is like do a little video of those two talking about the game, but we'll see. Oh, no doubt. It, whether or not it's, you know, high production quality or just simply on their Instagram accounts or whatever, right. I'm, I'm sure you're going to see it come out because, you know, I think there was a little bit of trash talking and Goddard had to wear something, but yep. know, I, I'm not going <laughs> to address that. But um, also fun, random fact, just because I think it's entertaining for the listeners. So, I've yet to hundred percent verify this, but I don't know who else it would have been. So I ran into Wentz's wife in downtown Fort Worth at a breakfast spot this Saturday. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. She was wearing uh like a Landon's light bracelet. Yeah. And then, and then I saw a flashy diamond on her finger and I was like, okay, that's I probably better not talk to her. She, you know, she's she's uh, secured. And uh, it was just weird. It was just really odd to to look back and be like, what's Landon's light? Oh, yeah, that's the thing from North Dakota State that they do to give back. And for the for the little man, I think he's fighting brain cancer. So that's a. Are, are you familiar with that? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. They announced the the today the the basketball game that they're having this year for it too. So yeah, it's a kind of an ongoing fundraiser. It's a good cause, and but, that is a great cause. That's one of those things that we're you know, I'm I'm not going to be ashamed at all at talking about. They do the people of all the Dakotas, man, North and South Dakota, because uh, it's not one territory, guys. Uh, for all the average casual fans that might stumble upon the Splitting Hairs podcast, <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely right. two. We're uh, located just north of uh, Nebraska, and uh, <laughs> and south yeah. of North Dakota. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun, uh, you know, because there were there were a lot of people on Twitter that were angry about which is dumb. Why would you be mad about where they're hosting game day? But anyway, the people are just hashtag mad jealous. online about it. Yeah, <laughs> jealous exactly, but. Uh, you know, they were joking about like, what are they going to hold it in a cow or a cow pasture? So it'll be fun for them to kind of see that we actually do have something going on up in South Dakota. So, well, I was, you know, before the show, we were, I was talking to you about, you know, how you were from Georgia. I mean, you know, from that aspect of it, like, you know, I guess, what is your take on South Dakota? I mean, is it a place like that you kind of call home now? Like you, you know, it's kind of part of your, part of your life, I guess. Yeah, that's a great question, man. I think that as I've aged, I've realized that you can embrace wherever you are, but the people create the belonging, Mm -hmm. right? Like the atmosphere of wherever you are, where you live, where you go to school, where you work, where you show up day in and day out, that's all well and good. And it definitely has a place and, and it can make a mark on you, but ultimately the people create the belonging. So South Dakota, I mean growing up in kind of a uh, greater suburb of Atlanta and then also spending time in Minneapolis, you get the feel for Minnesota nice. So I kind of had an idea. I had an inkling of how people would be, but everybody in South Dakota is, is as, as advertised, just completely humble, hardworking, great people. So, yeah, I mean, I have no choice, but to be fond of it, you know, it's, it's a remarkable place. Like they say, great, great faces, great places, South Dakota. Hmm. That's the truth, man. Yeah, well, you're always you're always welcome to move back if you ever if you ever <laughs> want to come back. We'll 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 accept you back with open arms and yeah, be fun to yeah, that way you can come back and be a season ticket holder and everything. So heck yeah, may, hey, maybe if, someday if you can if global warming is in fact a thing and and they can heat up the winters a little bit, you know, I would everybody. Hey man, I, <laughs> I'm all for it except for the fact that. The winter does keep some riffraff out, so we don't want to get we don't want it to get too nice up here. So yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see. I hear you, man. Because everywhere else I've been, it's just boomed economically, and there gets overcrowded, and like you know, traffic and road rage is is definitely real. So yeah, uh, that's that's something that the good people of South Dakota should really uh, enjoy and embrace the fact that it's every you're you're no more than about five minutes away from from anything you need to get to in Brookings, especially. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I live 15 minutes away from my work and it takes me 15 minutes to get there. Or 50, I live 15 miles away and it takes me 15 minutes, which like somebody, I mean, you live in Dallas, Fort Worth. Like if you tell people down there, like that's, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. I live maybe five legitimate, man, probably about eight legitimate miles from like downtown Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. It takes me 25, 30 minutes to get there. So it's just like, yeah. it's nuts, but yeah, I'm not about that life. No, sir. No, sir. <laughs> no, I'll come, I'll come visit every once in a while, but that's about it. Yeah. Get in, get out, make your presence known. But uh, exactly. yeah, man, that was a, was a phenomenal uh, question. I appreciate it because I, it, man, it made an impact on me. And like you said, recruits watching, uh, hopefully there's going to be plenty in attendance too. I don't know how many are going to be able to make the trek with their own mm-hmm. games and, own schedule, uh, but get out there. I, yeah, I would assume they're going to have as many as possible for this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, except for except for the chance of losing to NDSU, but um, well, we That's hope that doesn't. A, yeah, yeah. it's always but, a possibility, uh, no matter who you play. So it's right. That doesn't shy away. But with the atmosphere that's going to be there, man, it's it'd be a, a dream recruiting with that with that going on. Yeah. So Ben, but, what do you think? about former president Patty, uh, I'm sorry, Peggy Miller, you know, yeah, I good transition. What do you think about the whole, uh, 
the whole move because it wasn't welcomed with open arms. What do you think about the whole thing now? Yeah, I tweeted about that today, you know, about, you know, thanking her for her vision uh, because, you know, I think it's pretty well known that she was one of the big proponents for going D1. And like you said, it, it met some great opposition. And I'm thankful that they pushed forward. You know, I I was getting there right as they were making the transition. And there were some tough years there. I mean, there was there – was, I didn't go to many basketball games because they were real bad. <laughs> and it it was just something they had to get through. And, you know, the, the football team struggled for a little bit going through that transition too. Uh, they didn't have as much of a downswing as basketball did. But, you know, it like you thank God they did it because, you know, I don't think I, – I definitely wouldn't be as big of a fan, I don't think, as if we didn't make the D1 transition. You know, I – People, people say, well, it's still just FCS or whatever, but, you know, it's it's way different than Division Two. I mean, you can't even compare it. Um, and, you know, so between the, the transit, you know, Peggy having the vision to the transition and then, um, you know, the they went to Shequin after that. He did a great job moving it forward. And then, you know, between the athletic directors of Oyen and now Cell, I mean, they just did such a good job in – having the master plan that they've laid out and followed through with and got the financial backing to do it. Um, you know, I also gave a shout out to Dana J Dykehouse, you know, that beautiful stadium we got that, you know, we can showcase, you know, there'll be all kinds of shots of that on game day um, just with how nice it is. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess thanks to all those people because, you know, it's, it's because of all them that, we have a sold out game of 20,000 and we got ESPN bringing their biggest college game, you know, college football show to Brookings, South Dakota. Yeah. I mean, couldn't have put it better myself, man. It's, it's one thing to kind of have a vision, but then to see everyone execute on her behalf and really make her right, make her correct. And that was, was awesome to see, uh, especially because, the type of player that they recruited in the 03, 04, 05 classes was was a upper-end D2 type player with a massive chip on their shoulder, the mm-hmm. size of Mount Rushmore, really, like the Justin Kubishes of the world and the, you know, the the uh, Chris Johnsons and the Derek Dominoes to follow. And, you know, those are just to name a few that come to the top of my head, the Conrad Kerstads, the Ryan McKnight's, the, you know, the Chris Wagner's and the people who understood the culture uh, at South Dakota state, but they also understood where they wanted to take it. And you, you made a great point. There were some lean years for basketball there. Uh, there was, I think it was Oh six. I think we had more wins at one point, if not overall than the basketball team at seven. And we, we, won, <laughs> yeah. we won seven straight. And to be honest, we were, we were like the cardiac jacks that year coming yeah. from behind in almost every game. And, and really we, we had a, I think we had a 17 point lead on UNI at UNI and it would have been an eight straight win game. And we, we, uh, we dropped it late to uh, the furry cows for the, for a conference title, but then we won one in 07 and then the rest is history kind of on the tear that we, we ran, but we beat power five teams, you know, at their place. We've smacked other power five teams that were ranked highly like your Nebraska's under Bo Pelini when they had T magic ranked six in the nation. And it's, it's been dot well-documented TCU, what we did up there by that offensive explosion. And you got, you know, basketball just being an absolute bully in the summit league, you know, on a tear winning tons of conference titles and, you know, having unbelievable coaches like, you know, coach Nagy when I was there, when you were there, and then seeing, I mean, the women, women in men's basketball is pretty much, in my opinion, when you look at the dollars and cents of it, why we went D1, right? Yeah. Because when you look at the funding that it costs to run that program, when you have fewer, you know, you, have, you don't have a ton of equipment, you don't have a ton of players and bodies, mm-hmm. you don't have a ton of staff. So, and, and then you look at the big payout, if you make it to the dance, which we've done in succession on both squads, it's it's been amazing. And, and what are, what's your take on, on the hoop side of it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, 
we owe a lot to um, Aaron Johnson and oh, yeah. uh, Scott Nagy. You know, they they were guys that were made the transition successfully. You don't see it very often where even one of them do it, let alone both of them in the same school, um, make that transition and have a lot of success. Um, you know, the, the girls had a lot more success before. And I think, I think athletically, I think it was easier for them to make the transition. I don't think there's as much of a a jump in athletics, um, on on the girls basketball side. Um, but on the boys basketball side, there's a huge jump in athletics and recruiting wise. And, you know, I think big credit to Nate Walters, you know, Nagy was struggling before Nate Walters showed up and he came in and, you know, between him and guys like, uh, oh yeah, Callahan, Tony Fegan, who I have a jersey, his jersey right behind oh, me yeah. hanging on the wall, Big and uh, yeah, and guys like Chad White. I mean, those guys were grinders that, yeah. you know, they really brought the program to where it is now. You know, they, um, it basketball was looking like it could have gone way downhill really fast. And those guys came in and lifted it up and it's just kind of been up since then. Um, so I think we've been real lucky, you know, like, like I said, with those two coaches and then sells done a great job hiring Otzelberger after that. And then hopefully Hendo can keep it going now with, uh, as the new coach. So yeah. Um, I guess basketball is a whole other topic altogether, but I'm I'm definitely I saw I saw a tweet today. I think there's like 15 days until the first regular season basketball game. Yeah, so that's kind of it's coming up fast, man. Um, so that's that's going to be real interesting. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to talk to uh, Matt. Maybe we can get a basketball podcast going too, because I know there's plenty. Of, there's there's probably more rabid basketball fans than there are football fans. Oh yeah, which, I mean if it's not if it's if there's not more, it's got to be close because uh, I think that, you know, just with the historical success winning at the D2 level, uh, because for people who don't know that might stumble upon this, the Jacks were not a power at the D2 level in football, not at all by any stretch. And to see what Stig has been able to do, man, I kind of, it's kind of, it's bewildering to me, dude. It's bewildering to me. I, uh, I it's, just, he's credit. consistent. He is a consistent dude. And he know I I harp on it with Matt. I'm like, I think his best skill set is delegating and who Mm -hmm. he surrounds himself with. It's just, and he's a consistent, he's of consistent character too. So he's, you know what you get with him, you know? Yep. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, you know, along with those two basketball coaches I mentioned, he's another guy that just made that transition well. And like you said, he, he's a big character guy. And I think, like you said, he's good at surrounding himself with smart people where, you know, you know, if it was Stig himself, like trying to run the team and like, you know, run the whole offense and everything. I, I mean, it's, I don't want to slight him by any means, but I just don't think that's his forte. I think he knows what he's good at and he does that. Well, he knows how to create a culture and, you know, he brings guys in that, that, Right, buy into that culture and that's what has created the the sustained success that we've had in the past you know six seven eight nine ten years now yeah he, he knows you hit the nail on the head with one part of that he knows the type of player he wants to go after i mean caliber aside he knows the type of player because there were a couple Unfortunately, there was one class, and I don't need to name the class, but there was one class that we recruited when I was there that dropped the ball, literally and metaphorically, and a bunch of them either left, didn't qualify, whatever, and we had two years where we kind of stubbed our toe because we couldn't build that depth. Those are the guys, those are the next man mm-hmm. up. That was the mentality, and yep. for them to have rebounded the way they did with the Sumners and you know, Dale Moss stepping up and guys like obviously Winnikey and Goddard and can't say their names enough because those are program changers. Those are, you know, guys that up the ante to make it an expectation that we can get NFL looks guys like Pierre strong are aiming for Zenner's records got, you know, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to hunt and that's, that's what you got to have. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, and I'll, I'll admit I was at one point I was like, you know what, Stig, we need to go outside your box of, you know, culture guys that you want. We need to start going get some playmakers, but you know, he stuck sticks to his guns. He gets the guys that he wants and he knows that buy into his um, culture and it's worked. And, you know, I think that, along with the facility upgrades that we've seen and the sustained success we've had has led to the point where we are now of really deep recruiting classes and really deep teams overall from a from a um, talent standpoint and not dropping off after the first one or, or two guys i mean the, the way we're sitting now especially like i to me the biggest depth is our, our d line right now is just unreal how many guys we can roll through there and not skip a beat. And I think, you know, we, everybody has always been clamoring for, man, we got to get some pressure on the quarterback. And yes, there was some philosophy change this year with the new defensive coordinators, but I think more so I think it's guys being fresh and being able to wear teams down in the second half and just get after the quarterback because I think that's, I don't know the statistics on that, but I think that's when we've racked up the most of our sacks is in the second half when their old line starts to get worn down a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, just uh, credit to Stig and credit to all the all the people that made this happen because it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, especially when it, when it comes to something big like this, like game day coming. So, yeah, I, I guess can't, can't say thanks to them enough. Yeah, and it's really been the tail of the tape, man, as far as being able to take that next step. If you look at the, historically the teams that the Jacks have rolled out there that have been able to really make a splash, whether winning a conference title, being right there in the mix till the last uh, the last few seconds in, in 2014 against the Bison, which probably was uh, – did I say that right? Bison? Bison, right? Yeah, yep. Bison. We're going to roll with it. So I wouldn't say it play, any other way. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> just like it's spelled. So you look at, you look at what we were able to do in 2014. You look at the 2009 squad with, you know, we had Danny Batten, we got Tony Thompson guys really able to rush the passer. You had Brian Fisher, who was a great interior pass rusher for D lineman for a nose tackle and Brian Fisher soaking wet was maybe 255, 260 pounds. That, and now we got <laughs> Kaleeb Sanders <laughs> tipping the scales at what, two, 295, maybe yeah. 300? Who knows? But plenty plenty heavy, plenty strong. I mean, Eric Schroeder back in the day. I, I think I, I watched Caleb Sanders yesterday or Saturday bully two guys and just <laughs> bull them right back into to Wilderman, the quarterback for Indiana State. And I was like, man. I wonder what his measurables are in the weight room because I haven't seen a guy that strong on the field since Eric Schroeder that I played with. And Schroeder was an animal, man. He had a six pack at 290 pounds. Schroeder was a freak. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's athletes in general these days are kind of bigger, faster, stronger than they've ever been at their level. But it's just amazing. Like looking back, I don't know if it was you or somebody posted a picture of uh of i think maybe the first time we won the dakota marker and it was just like what they look like high schoolers man like this they did not look like the 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 athletes that we have on the team today just because like i said they're just it's just a different breed you know i think different breed overall and we're recruiting a different breed too well put i i look at the the film and i'm watching tape and i'm like man could i could i play this day and age, and I'm like, and then I just kind of let the thought go because it's not worth wrestling with. It's it's probably depressing in the long run, but but yeah, they, there's a there's a different breed, and it's it's the evolution of the game. It's the resources surrounding it. It's what the NCAA is trying to do. Hope I mean, change is inevitable, right? There there mm-hmm. are things coming down the pipeline. They're going to create opportunity. Um, they're gonna they're gonna be disruptive, probably with maybe potentially being able to make money off your likeness and some different things like that, which, you know, that's probably a, a whole podcast episode in and of itself. But, but yeah, there's, I don't know, man, it's, it's exciting to see. And I don't know, you got, you got any other thoughts on, on the whole Peggy Miller thing, the vision and 
and what we've been able to do. I don't know, man. I, I think I've harped on it enough. I'm sure people are sick of talking to hearing me talk about it by now, but, yeah. uh, um, you know, I think we're, what we're going to do is we're, we'll do for sure one more pod this week, maybe two. Um, we're going to hold off on any NDSU talk yet. Um, just cause we're, we're already at 50 minutes. We don't want to put you guys to sleep anymore than we already have. So, um, with that, uh, I think, uh, hopefully we can get, um, Brendan on the pod later this week to talk about a pick recap and maybe Matt will be, get, uh, healthy again and we can get him back on the pod too. So we definitely want to give you guys, uh, plenty of coverage this week with game day coming to town. And I mean, and it being the Dakota market, we probably would have put out three pods anyway, since it's Dakota marker week. So, um, just game day, just kind of amp up, up to up the ante, I guess. Plus one for NDSU is good old Modozer would say Nate Mo, the strength coach. He, uh, <laughs> we always up the rep count when it's NDSU week. So why not do another pod? Um, we're, there def- you go. we're definitely going to want to preview North Dakota State. They got a lot of really, really talented players, and it's going to be exciting because we do too. So um, we we covered that. We've been covering them throughout the year, but now it's time to see what. With the furry cows, that's just too good not to use again. With the, <laughs> with the furry cows are going to put out there. They're a for, formidable opponent. It's going to be a, hopefully an epic battle. And yeah. uh, you guys keep listening. Well, it, what's going to be great is like I'm going to put in, in the description for this episode, I'm going to put NDSU preview because we kind of talked about it here and they're going to listen all the way to the end and they're going to be so oh, yeah. disappointed. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we're, I'm not really that sorry because thanks for listening, but <laughs> right. But yeah, we will cover it. You guys definitely deserve to be covered. They're, uh, they're, yeah. they're an unbelievable we'll, program. We'll put out two more pods this week and we will have considerable NDSU talk on those pods. So stay tuned. Don't get discouraged. And uh, thanks to everybody else for listening. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed it. And uh, with that, you got anything else, Kyle? I'm good to go, man. I'm excited. Everybody get out, wear blue, and go to the game. All yes, right. wear, blue, wear blue, get to game day, get to the game if you can. Tickets are sold out now, which I don't have sympathy for you because you could have bought them since August 1st. But yep. <laughs> hopefully uh, hopefully this gets some people some fear of missing out and they'll buy tickets earlier next year. So, um, But either way, come up, enjoy game day, come out and tailgate. Any and people will if you don't even know anybody, just just walk around. People will invite you in, and uh, you'll have a good time. So, <laughs> with that, <laughs> Kyle's dogs wants to go outside. So they're not a fan. They're not fans <laughs> of the, uh, the bison either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I think we'll end it. Uh, go big. Go blue. Go, go Jacks. Jacks.